0: Into it, So I, I know at least one thing. I know truth. I'm not like Pilate. I know truth. Your word is truth. Your way is truth, God. See what I mean? Now, it does something for you that just gives you a little tickler. It should give you some basis to pray some other way that you might not be normally praying. So before you go today, it's everyday prayers for your spiritual battle. I want to tell you, you all got some spiritual battle going on if you know it or not. And if your life is hunky-dory, then you ought to be anointing us. So this has some cool things on there. Embrace God's provision. Expose the enemy's strategies. Uh, that's right from the sermon this morning. You got to trust me. I didn't take it off this card. Uh, affirm who is really in charge. That's really important for us because sometimes we lose sight of who's really in charge. God's in charge. And he said everything in motion. He's going to have his way. His will will be done. And when the devil thinks he's winning... When he's got the greatest uh, victory, we find out he ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. So here it is. The the sermon for the day is called Weathering the Storm, and we're going to see how we do. Amen? Weathering the storm. First of all, I told you Ephesians, uh, do we have Matthew? Put it up on the wall if you would. You don't have to turn there. It's only a few verses, but it kind of helps us to establish something that when your life is shaky, when things are happening, it seems like you're, you're, uh, you're crumbling, you're ready to, to, to crumble. One of the best things you can ever do is you got to start with an evaluation. An evaluation tells me that I come to the point and say, wait a minute, why is everything falling apart? Why is everything collapsing? What is going on? And this passage out of Matthew says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, this is chapter seven, so you can read all those first chapters and you'll get the words he's saying. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Amen? Amen. I mean, if if Sandy Point and those areas over there, in where, where the Hurricane Sandy came in, and Breezy Point, and whatever it was that was along those, remember how that was? These houses that were built on sand—that was predictable, wasn't it? And we can put pillars in, and we can do all that stuff. Now, you know, hey, I'd love to have one of those houses too, as long as you built it knowing that risk existed and that someday it could all just be washed away. But you know what happens? You get slack, get lackadaisical. Hey, we live in New York, New Jersey, by the way. We don't live in Florida. We don't live in Louisiana. So you can start to feel all safe and stuff. And then guess what happens? Something happens to show and reveal to us that, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. That, that you, you can't find safety on, when you're on sh- shaky ground. See? So... Here's the thing, the first point, there's three things I'm going to talk to you today about specifically part of this two-part or at least two-part message, um, and that is the right plan or starting point. We're doing a series by Ken Ham on Wednesday nights, which is actually talking about the first 11 chapters of Genesis, the book of Genesis. Genesis. You know, what we're talking about end times a lot, and Ken makes the point that that we've we've got all this theology about end times, and we've got a lot of Scripture that tells us some things and projects it and prophesies. And so we we believe that that's going to happen. But at the same time, many times, we don't have the same um, unction or the same passion about the beginning. So when it comes down to how we got stuff and how long it took and what days and, you know, the, the days of creation, we're all over the place with that. People believe in millions of years and billions of years, and they believe in different parts of evolution and intelligent design. And, and yet, why don't we just go with what God says? In the beginning, him, he explains it all. Otherwise, we're, we're stupid, kind of like the clay asking the potter, why did you do this? And, well, this is what we think. Guess what? He's, he just really, it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what he says, amen? So the first point about weathering the storm is to have the right plan or starting point. That's, that's really the beginning part. The, the next part of it, as simple as that is, what kind of foundation do you have laid? Remember we said this room is 60 feet across, so if you're a quarter inch out after you run one foot, how many inches are you going to be out by the time you get across the room, 60 feet away? One quarter inch, so in two feet, that's a half inch. In four feet, it's one inch. How many? Will be 15 inches? Is that right? Somebody's got to do that math for me. I'm not that good. But we said we're one inch in four feet. So when you go 60 feet, is that 15 inches or 15 feet? I don't know. Inches, 15 inches. Well, imagine what that, let's say that, let's just go with that even if it's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, to 60, 20 times. Okay, I take your word for it. That's good. You're doing better than I am. (laughs) So 15 inches. So imagine this. If your foundation is 15 inches off, what's your house look like? Right? Yeah, so here's the deal. The level, the foundation is level. The further you go, so let me tell you, some of you who are older, You've been walking according to a certain learned truth. And if nobody has challenged that, if you haven't remained teachable, what's happened is you've got stuck on a path. And if it's off by, by a slight amount, how far away does that lead you the further you go? That's why there are people who are perishing who never come to the knowledge of the truth. And, and here they are at 85 years old getting ready to die. And they don't know the truth. Why? Because they, they had a bad foundation. And the further they went with that bowed foundation, it's, it still led them to the same place. If their foundation wasn't built on truth, see, it was built on man's truth, not God's. So the right, that, that's the first thing is obviously is, is the right plan or starting point. The next one is the right gear and that's where we're in Ephesians. So I'm gonna mainly stick to the points here and, and just read through. I wanna read through it with you. Chapters uh, chapter six, verses 10 through 20 is what actually deals with it. I don't want you to ignore, especially kids, those passages about honoring your parents. Talks about dads not exasper- exasperating your children. It's very important for us both ways. So, but here's what it says. A final word after he said those things to kind of set us up about right, right relationships in our families, right relationships in the workplace. It talks about slaves to the masters. So we're just going to call that the workplace for, for our day. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly, in the heavenly places. Therefore... Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body of armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And I'm going to leave the rest alone. But verse 19, he's saying, hey, pray for me too so I can be bold and so that I can, I can produce fruit. I would ask that. I would ask you to pray for me that I can... If, if you don't like my preaching, pray for me to preach better. Amen. So here, let me just, by, by way of mention here, a couple things. The right, the, the next thing that leads to, the, to the, right, the right gear, that told us what the gear is. The next thing is the right knowledge or strategy. It still comes out of these, these verses in Ephesians 6, okay? The right knowledge or strategy. My people perish for lack of knowledge. So not all knowledge is good knowledge. How many of you guys have stupid knowledge? Anybody have some stupid knowledge? It's things that you know that you shouldn't know. It's some things that, you know, or you found out maybe through a gossip channel, you know, somebody who told you something and now you're stuck with it. Well, I I ought to tell your uh, your daughter that, you you know, or, or you that your daughter's pregnant. But the way I heard it would tell you that I was doing something that I shouldn't have been doing either. So I really can't tell you that your daughter's pregnant, though. I feel like you ought to know that. That's that's worthless knowledge. That's knowledge. that actually puts me in bondage. You know, you hear somebody over talking and you, yeah, okay. You overhear somebody talking and it's a a situation with the workplace or maybe it's a salary. and, And you find out that they're making $500 a week more than you are. And you're thinking, wait a minute, I'm a better person, an employee, and I'm more valuable. And I have a degree and I should be making what they make. And guess what? You can't do anything with that knowledge. Why? Because you can't go to your boss and say, you know, that that guy makes more than you. Because you will say, well, how do you know that? Uh, Because I was listening at your door. You're fired. Now you don't make anything. Do you see what I mean? There's sometimes there's worthless knowledge. You can, it's it's the knowledge that, that Jesus rebuked the Pharisees in his day. He says, here you are. He even said it to Nicodemus. You being a teacher of the law and yet you don't understand. You have all this knowledge, but you don't know. Here it is. I'm standing in front of you. See, there's knowledge that you can gain in the world and book read and all the things that you can get from degrees and yet it won't matter a hill of beans to you. It will not rescue you. It will not deliver you. It will not purchase for you heaven itself. So I just want to tell you that not all knowledge is good knowledge. Sometimes there's things we know that it's stupid knowledge. Here's what verse 12 says. Look back on that. It says, for we are not fighting against Flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities. Now here's the key. There's three distinct arenas or battlefields mentioned right there in verse 12. There's three distinct arenas or battlefields. So you got to have the right knowledge and strategy. And that's what anybody that's what I'm going to tell you the Boston police and FBI and all the people that came to bear. They had the right knowledge and the right strategy. They dealt with what they knew and they had a strategy to go forward. That's why they were successful. Meanwhile, guess what? There were a couple guys, terrorists, let's call them, who just didn't have good knowledge and didn't have good strategy. Hello? So three distinct arenas or battlefields. Here it is. Ready? Right in the verse. It's right after against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. There is a spiritual battle that is going on. There's a whole arena in what is the unseen world. Why do you think it is that faith says faith is a matter of believing in something that is not seen? Because it takes faith even to believe that this battlefield, this arena even exists. Why? Because we don't see it. We feel like it's this mate. We feel like it's this employee, like this coworker, like it's somebody right in front of us. We might feel like they're the enemy, see? Well, that's just the deception of the devil. That's a lie. They're not the enemy they might be being used as a tool or a vessel because in the house there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. So one is the unseen world and then against mighty powers. So you got rulers, evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, mighty powers in this dark world where it says we're supposed to be the light. Ready? The next one says it. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There's your three arenas. Three different areas. Folks, it's not just going on on one front. That's why you end up... You need to be covered on all sides. See? Because it's, it's, it's raging. And when you got your eye on this and you're keeping it on the prize, guess what's likely to happen? Something's nipping at your heels and something's going on on your left and something's on your right. And that's why he says, though a thousand may fall at your right and 10,000 at your left hand, it won't come before you. Why? Because we have sovereignty of God looking over us if we'll be aware. If we'll be wearing the armor put on your suit. So the next thing is the right knowledge or strategy is the protection that God offers, which is the armor. I don't know about you, but when I first heard about the armor of God, I used to play football. So I used to put on all the stuff. And the only time I didn't, I twisted my ankle. Matt, remember that big thread up brace? Matt, we, we, he used one time. Um, the, The only time hadn't put it on. Guess what happened? Went out, twisted up my ankles, took me out of a game. So I thought, you know, I need it all, man. There's nothing like being a running back and taking a a helmet or a shoulder pad right into your thigh, getting a deep thigh bruise. That'll take you out for for a week of practice. So I put on this stuff, knowing that every part of it was important. See, and when I first got saved and read about this armor of God, I said, oh, kind of like football uniform. And, And that's what it was. Why do you wear that stuff to protect you? So I just want to cover some of that stuff. Maybe it's a unique way that you haven't heard before. I trust that it is. The protection God offers is literally his, it's called armor. Here we go. Ready? How about the belt of truth, which is a great restraint or boundary. Do you know what happens on these pants right here? I'm going to this notch and that's it. If I have to take and punch a hole out here further, I don't, I'm not going there. So this belt and that notch in these pants right here tells me no more, buddy. See what I'm saying? Otherwise, you know what I used to have? An expandable belt. So it was literally you could buy dress pants with it. And, you know, I had a coworker. worker a matter of fact, when Joel was born, I weighed little, somewhere around 315 pounds. So, and we've got pictures. Bless God I'm not naked. <laughs> we would take these, this belt and you could pull it out. You could expand six inches. Uh, Guess what? When I weighed 315 pounds, you didn't want me gaining another six inches. You see? So what I didn't do is I didn't have a boundary, something that that said, no more, stop. How about the idea that the belt of truth is something that it's, it's a great restraint, it's a boundary, it's a restriction, because here's what you do. Is it the only thing I can do is tell the truth. The only thing I can do is to live in the truth. The lie never comes into play because I've got a restriction and a boundary that says I will be bound to truth. I will walk in truth only always, only truth always. Do you have that as a policy in your life that you'll always tell the truth? Or do you believe we just saw a show the other day telling a lie? If the wife says, hey, how do I look in this? You better lie. Don't tell her that she looks as bad as she looks. No, stop it. You find a sweet way to tell her, honey, you know, I love you. And Arlene can tell you, I do this. I'll say that just doesn't do you well. That doesn't do you justice. And she'll say, what? No, she doesn't say that. She usually, she she says, she might say why. And I'll say, because it shows this, that, or the other thing. And you're not, you're wanting to hide this, that, and the other thing. Is there anybody in here who needs to hide this, that, or the other thing? So guess what? You need somebody to speak honestly with you if you're not hiding this, that, or the other thing. See? So don't get mad when you ask for it that we will be so honest. Because why? We love you, and I wouldn't have you go out like that. See? How do you find some way to tell those people? You speak the truth in love. Okay? So the belt of truth is a great restraint. It's a great boundary or restriction. The second thing, it actually talks about, and I called it a good slicker or a raincoat. You know, it actually talks about the breastplate of righteousness, okay? But here's the reason, you might think, well, the raincoat doesn't do it justice because it's too flimsy. But, but what I talk about, the, the breastplate of righteousness is his own righteousness that covers us, that clothes us. And so when I put something on, that to me is more symbolic of it. You could call it the garments of praise, for example. See, in this case, guess what we need more of? We need the oil of the Spirit. See, we need the Holy Spirit. Why? So that I don't get all so offended. Huh? How many of you have gotten offended at least in the last month, if not the last week? How many of you I have offended already this morning? Don't, don't even... <laughs> so guess what? You need that. There's an old phrase from years ago that said, be a duck. How does a duck made of feathers float because those feathers are, are saturated with oil so that they don't absorb folks. That's what you and I, part of the solution for us is we can't be absorbing everything that comes at us to offend us. Something that takes a, takes a, a, a shot at us, something that somebody disappoints us. Somebody downright betrays us. We can't take that and, and carry that thing around. Otherwise, what do we do? We're going down. See, So put the oil of the spirit, that's what it's for, is what? That it actually repels those things. That that gives us that it's saturated with it. If you ain't got time to put your shield up before it comes, guess what? You're already covered. you got a residual about you that you can take a whole lot before you begin to sink. I'm telling you, you need the Holy Spirit. The next one, that's verse 14, by the way, uh, both of those two, belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. In verse 15, then, it's firm footing. You need a firm footing. Protection God offers. Great restraint, the belt of truth. A good, good slicker of the breastplate of righteousness. You walk in his righteousness. He covers you. He'll be, he'll be your defender. See, he'll validate you. He'll vindicate you. A firm footing. That's, that's the shoes. I said, how many of you guys have a, have a foundation to the sixth graders the other day? They were like, How many know what a foundation is? Most all of them knew. You know what your foundation is? You all got them. Right there. Your foundation is a, is a matter of what you stand on. We talked about building it on the rock, but beyond that, you have to move and go out and navigate in your day. That means you're mobile. Guess what? You better have some principles that are sewn into those feet of yours, that is a place where it says, this is what I will stand on. I stand for truth. I will stand according to these principles, these values. This is what I believe. And when you stand on that kind of foundation, guess what happens? You'll have peace. That's why it ties your shoes in with peace. There's some times where you'll, you'll determine that you're not going to go to this place or that place or take up this argument and you'll find yourself in peace because you didn't go there, See? So it's important about knowing where to stand. God's given us a a firm footing, the shoes, which will help you to stand in whatever place he has for you. Whatever's coming upon you. There's two principal truths that we believe. One is God is sovereign. And because God's sovereign, everything that happens had to come through him. He either had to do it or he had to agree with it. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, but that's the truth. Because God's in charge. The devil doesn't get to do anything unless God's approved it. So if God's approved it, he's got a reason for it. And God has an end to it. The devil won't, but God does. A firm footing. The next one's a force filled. That's the shield of faith. How about that? How about it? You know, this idea that I love Star Trek in the old days when they could do something, you know, they could And then they put the force filled up and then, you know, nothing happens to them. Wouldn't that be cool? That never happened for me. When I did things like that, I got punched in the face. I didn't have a force field. So the shield of faith, we must walk by faith with insight. You see, we must walk by faith with insight, not always from sight. So guess what? We need to have, sometimes we prayed this morning in the prayer room. We prayed a hedge of protection around about people. Why? Because sometimes they don't even know these principles yet. I haven't preached this yet. So they don't they don't walk with the armor, they're not walking with the force filled, they're not going according to any plan. And, and they're just being they're they're getting their... they're they're being beat up. Notice how I changed that word. They're getting beat up. So a force filled, the shield of faith. How about the next one, which is a sound mind, the helmet of salvation? Guess what? When you get saved, the next step is what? Yeah, because you have to. You have the you have the salvation, you have the cross of Christ, but you don't have the mind of Christ yet. So you have to be transformed. See? By the renewing of your mind. So and then God says he gives us a sound mind. Think about the helmet. I don't know, did anybody in here you're uh, anybody old enough that they played football without a face mask and without a without a helmet? Maybe the old leather leather helmets? Yeah. <laughs> There might be a few people that might have played like that, but I'm telling you what, it was just, it, you may as well just be wearing a sock cap. You know what I'm saying? So we didn't hit as hard. and We, we were a little more careful, and we might let them score. You know what I mean? It, no, no, I'm not going to take a knee to the head. But, but what we've done is, is a helmet now. My brother's life was saved in a motorcycle accident because the helmet was fractured, cracked like a, a, an egg, getting ready, boiled like, you know, when I'm getting ready to peel it. The helmet was cracked all over, and there was no doubt the helmet saved my brother's life. I'll tell you what, the helmet of salvation is the ultimate lifesaver, isn't it? So a sound mind is to cover the mind. Think about this, the brain, the ears, the eyes, the nose. How about even the tongue? Now you think about the spiritual connotation between those things. The problems that we have when we're not covered. The problem that we have with our mind the things we think on, the dwell on. Think about the things that we listen to. Think about the things that we see or we watch or we might even look for. Think about how, how, I remember the word was nosy. Don't be nosy. You're getting your nose into other people's business. How about, you know, the brain to have the mind of Christ? How about the tongue? Remember what James says about the tongue? It's like the rudder of the whole body. How can this little thing direct the whole thing? Put the helmet of salvation on, and what will happen is, as you get the mind of Christ, it'll take care of all those other afflictions and issues. Only a couple more. A good grip, which is the Word of God, or the sword of the Spirit. That's in verse 17. We have to have a working knowledge of the Bible. It's not okay just to carry one around that looks beat up like you've read it. It's important for you to actually know what it says, so that in, the, in a given situation, you can say, there it is. Boom. I have some life scriptures that I don't have to go into here to tell you what they say. See, one of my favorites is one of the simplest, which said, you know, I believe that God's going to continue this work that he began in me, even right up into the, to the day or the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Philippians one six. I say that over my messy self all the time. Why? Because I need him to continue his work that he began in me. And I recognize that it's his work. It's not my work. Good grip, a working knowledge of the Bible and making application of that to our lives. It does us no good if we don't actually apply it. How about this? How about a reliable weapon? A reliable weapon is prayer itself. That's the way it ends on verse 18. So here's, here's, here's to me as a reliable prayer, a selfless and diligent prayer for the mission from God. That's the best thing. Don't pray this way. I had somebody tell that we've been praying for them to open up the womb. Well, that's good, but the womb wasn't the problem. The guy was the problem. Well, guess how that leaves us for praying a mess. We weren't praying according. Why? Because somebody said, pray this way. So guess what? Everybody's praying for an open womb and the womb is open. You get it? Well, God's big enough that he could have still solved that. Yeah, but we were, the point is we were praying scud missile prayers going all over the place. And he wanted us to pray specific maybe. Now we can remedy that and fix that. See what I mean? So it's, it's important that it's a selfless and diligent prayer, but it's also getting the mind of Christ in that. So we know that we're praying with the right motive. We're praying according to what God's will is, not what my will is. Do you know when you're hurting what your will is? For you to be made well. That's how we get off kilter because we begin to enlist people to pray for us according to our affliction instead of praying according to the will of God. When you pray according to the will of God, if he's got a purpose for it, which he does, that's the better thing to pray for, isn't it? And it'll take a whole lot of calamity off of our hands and a lot of fussiness about why God doesn't love us or like us anymore. Verse 11 to 15, let me just point that out to you. It says all of the strategies of the devil. See, it ties in shoot and feet and peace. You know, one of the things that we sometimes need to do is we need to, we need to shut our mouth. See what I mean? Why? Because that's part of the strategy of the devil is to get you to use your voice. Just like God wants you to use your voice for his glory, the devil wants you to use your voice for his strategy and his scheme and his plan. And guess what that always does? The devil's voice will always do what? Always tear down, always destroy. It comes from the source of lying. See? So pretty soon you're proclaiming a lie because that's not what God's truth is. By the way, did you guys notice this? That sets me up for next week's preaching. The Boston bombings. Did anybody hear that, that they applied martial law? Did anybody hear that phrase? that in the end, when they did the curfew, when they shut down Boston and shut down that area, Watertown or where, what, I think it was Watertown. When they shut those areas down, that's called martial law. It's something that hasn't happened, uh, I don't think in my lifetime in our country, but that's the principle that was applied it's martial law. Literally, where, where they shut it all down and the military, if you will, or the authorities were in charge. The people weren't, they were the less free they've, they've ever been. In their life, when we were under martial law, I want to tell you that that kind of stuff can happen in our day today, where all of a sudden what you thought was freedom can be taken away. Oh, for a good cause. I'm not against it. I think it was an appropriate measure. But we also see the futility of man and the wisdom of man because it wasn't martial law that actually led to the revelation of where this guy was, right? It's when they lifted that, the man went out, there's a boat, there's some blood. Voila, this was 20 yards, 20 miles, 20 yards. I think it must've been yards, 20 yards outside of their search range. That's the reason why they didn't discover him because it was 20 yards. Well, that's a pretty clever guy, isn't it? Well, I just know the parameter that they're doing. And then I just hid 20 yards outside of that parameter. You know what it made me think about? Could you go ahead and put that picture up on the wall? Throughout the Bible, God reveals himself as our go-to guy. This is a picture of what these guys might have looked like in some of their array. You've seen them on, on the thing. And I thought, does anybody realize, young people at church, do, do they realize that um, these things are, are modern? When it talks about from, from the book of, uh, uh, of Ephesians, written in sixty somewhere around 60 A.D., and here we are, nineteen hundred and how many ever years down the road? Nineteen hundred years later, and we still got the belt. We still got this breastplate. They might call them Mylar or Kevlar uh, vests nowadays, but they've got a, a breastplate, some protection on. So here you go, right from the top. Backpacks for hydration. Um, he's our living water, by the way. Right. Headgear. I wear gloves belts, carriers, holsters, for what? For a weapon, bags, backpacks, knee and elbow pads, footwear, uh, whatever the BDU is. Bad dude, bad and ugly dude. What is it? Oh, really? Battle dress uniform, right there in that little place. Knives and tools, outwear, tops, weapon and accessories. We say it's a sword. Today, it would be an AK-47 or something. Sights and optics on that thing so that we can actually see clearly. Sounds like being led by the Holy Spirit. And um, night vision. (laughs) If you walk in the light, you got night vision. You see that? So here's the deal. Martial law. I'm going to tell you what martial law. I'd like to enact that in the church next week. You know what that is? Yeah, but I want to do it for the church. I want to see it happen in the church. You know that? You know what it is? It's actually calling like for a time of fasting and prayer. When everybody stops what they're doing and listens to the authority. See, because otherwise we all just make up our own little minds and we get to go out and wander around the streets. We get to go out into harm's way because we don't see the unseen. And so when a pastor begins to lead, guess what? It's tough to follow pastors sometimes. You know why? Because we're flawed. But it's like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Folks, we need to be calling some spiritual time of fasting and prayer. And we need you to show up for it. Why? Because you need it and we need you. Two more things. One, weathering storm. Remember this, takes the right plan or starting point the right gear, which is the armor, and the right knowledge or strategy. Next week, I'm going to talk about the right team, the right mission, and the right stuff. Two things I want to do for handout. One is uh, this hand and this out. The other is I've got something I feel like it's the Lord gave me a little write-in campaign. I call it the New Life Fan Club, okay? Call it part of our friendship team. You could call it the, the God Club, whatever fan club. But but the idea is a write-in campaign. And I have up on my, my chair here, I've got cards, gift cards. Uh, I'm sorry, not gift cards. They're, they're uh, greeting cards. Uh, Miss you or thinking of you cards. And I want you to think about people in the church that aren't here that we need to reach out to. Here's what I want to do. I would like to have, uh, I've got the names already here. I can give you some names. I don't want it to just be your friends or family. I want it to be, just people are missing. Instead of getting one card from somebody, bless your hearts, those of you who do cards. But I want it to be that they get 12 cards from 12 different people. And I can tell you right now, I've got four, eight couples or, or people who, uh, who could use a card to encourage them, to let them know that, that they're missed. Can you imagine the power of that when you're out, when you're gone, and all of a sudden you get 12 cards So when that becomes a a habit for us, we'll be doing the right thing. So I would like you to consider, I need 12 people at least just for one person. I don't want you having to do 12 cards. I just want you to do one card. 12 different people doing one card. will get That person will get 12 different cards telling them that they've been missed and we're thinking of you. And here, let me give you by coaching one more thing. Folks, when you see somebody return to church that's been gone for a while, don't say where you've been. I mean, you should just get smacked in the face for saying where you've been. What do you mean where you've been? Are you the police? The idea is it doesn't matter where they've been, they're back. Do you hear it? The angst in my heart? The angst is don't say where you've been. It makes somebody else tell you a story they're not comfortable with. Say, so good to see you. You might even say, glad you're back. I think that'd be okay. But it's really good to say, hey, it's good to see you. Great to see you. Do you hear that? It makes it easy on people. Will you receive that? Say, I received that. Huh? Because we've already had it happen that people have come to me and said, I told you, Pastor, when I come to church, that somebody's going to say, Where you been? And guess what? Where you been? And then we make a joke about them Oh, I thought you might have been uh, gone to hell. Oh, yeah, well, I kind of was in hell, but, you know, thanks very much. I appreciate. It's not a joke to somebody. This is serious stuff. Amen? So I had to give you that. Let's pray. Boy, if it was easy, God, anybody could do it. Thank you that you believe in us enough to give us this task. And so, God, help us as we go forward that we understand that, that we might see God into the unseen, those things where God, uh, part of the, the warfare is, is, is raging. So God into the unseen, give us into even the, this dark world, God, and, and especially in the heavenly places, the things that the battle is raging. So we read accounts where it says, God, that, that from the first day, Daniel, I heard you, but I was delayed by the prince of the air, prince of Persia, he resisted me. 21 days later, God, help us to endure more than 21 days. Father, give us, uh, give us wisdom. Give us a discerning of spirits, God. Give us your Holy Spirit. Give us the gifts we need to be able to, to live this life and bring great glory to you, God. And Father, I pray for all of us where the battle is raging, that we, we have your spirit, which, which is uh, that which will not quit, will not give up. I agree with your word that says, don't grow weary and well-doing will reap a harvest uh, if we don't quit. So we got to keep on keeping on. So, Father, I pray right now for the resilience of your Holy Spirit in in our spirit, that God will be a resilient people, that God, I pray for, for you that you'll make us alive in Christ, more alive than we've ever been. I pray for the mind of Christ that's able to comprehend and understand and take in and even memorize your word, which is truth, God. And I pray for eyes to see where your lamp is lighting so that our feet will be directed where where we're supposed to go, God, where you'll keep us out of traps. You'll keep us from danger. We pray, God, that you deliver us from evil, that, God, we might even see your kingdom come in our day. Until it does, God, we're on board. We're not going anywhere. Father, we're only going to go. If you don't lead us, we aren't going. So, Father, I pray for our ability to hear what your spirit is saying to the church, because we know that's in the end time. And we thank you, God, for bolstering us, for supporting us, for equipping us, for empowering us, for putting your spirit within us. And we ask you to help us to be faithful, God, to everything you call us to. Help us to be obedient, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. How about if I have a couple people take these to the...